Yo, 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 Big D back with you with a weekend edition of the Big D podcast. Before I bring in today's special guest, please subscribe, like, and share the Smoky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. See all my content, football, baseball, basketball, walking, golf. <laughs> Lord knows who's going to be on here. Also check out the Big D podcast for your audio listeners on Spotify and Apple. So whether he's talking with snow, talking with football, or getting me through the World Series hit Florida in a long time. Uh, my friend Dennis is always available. So, Dennis, uh, you know, two and a half weeks ago, uh, people down, people in my neck of the woods went through Hurricane Ian, and uh, you and I were DMing each other like four or five o'clock in the morning thinking, wondering what's going to happen next. Yeah, this was, as I told you, as it was going on, my biggest concern was not just the strength of the storm, but it was the fact that this storm had a bunch of different scenarios uh, of how it could play out. And when you look at weather forecasting, Dylan, it's really like handicapping for fantasy football. When you look at a game and you're looking at the game script, You get some ideas of what can happen. And some weeks, we're kind of sure what's going to happen when we look at the matchups and the defenses and the offensive players and the injuries. And we say, oh, you know, this is a great game that, you know, player X is going to have a big game. And we feel really confident about that. The same thing happens in weather forecasting. And I got way out ahead of this storm well in advance of it and was basically warning everybody I knew down in Florida that pay attention to even, you know, any of the alerts that you get, because this is going to be a serious storm. It's going to be one of the worst storms because of the weather pattern. It is more likely to hit that West coast of Florida than in any usual typical years. And it just was too unpredictable. That's why this storm worried me because in weather forecasting, being unpredictable is the worst thing a storm can do. Be honest, I had, a, I had a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach that this was going to be bad. You you get that pit pit in your stomach once once or twice. So you're thinking it's going to be bad. I mean, I remember, I remember why are all these ice storms always bad? I'm like, <laughs> I don't went through Louisiana. I'm like, this one, this one's going to be bad. And secondly, for some reason. Southwest Florida always seems like the place for storms. Like Tampa always seems to avoid storms where they go south, east, south, north, east, west. Like Tampa always avoids the worst of it. Yeah, and that is because of the nature of the atmosphere and what happens. So if you think of these storms, you think of these hurricanes, they're giant engines, okay? They use the water, the warmth of the water as the the fuel, just like an engine uses gasoline to power it. But with a a hurricane engine, what happens is these things have a wobble to the right of the flow. So as a storm gets stronger because of that wonderful thing called the Coriolis effect, the storms in the northern hemisphere turn to deflect to the right as they get stronger. So that's why Tampa usually doesn't get hit because a storm has to have the absolute perfect track to hit Tampa. 
not so much for Southwest Florida and not so much for the panhandle. Of course, the panhandle sticks out there that if there isn't a stirring current to move the storm on to land, that's why they'll get hit more often there in the northern part of, of Florida by the uh, panhandle. But Southwest Florida is, is kind of that kind of that iffy zone, you know, the, the storms sometimes will miss you because they don't turn fast enough. Uh, they will sometimes miss you because they set up farther out to the east. And then they will sometimes miss you or fall apart as they move across Cuba because some of Cuba is tall enough to affect the circulation of a storm. Where this storm went across the westernmost part of Cuba, it also found a little slot of the narrowest part of Cuba to go through, which was very unusual. And then once it started moving up here, all of the forcing flow said it is going to turn right and hit the coast. The only question was, was it gonna be north of Tampa? Was it gonna be south of Tampa? I felt better on a forecast that it would be north or south of Tampa because it's kind of like a, two streams. And if it misses the first stream and, and misses Southwest Florida, it's probably gonna still miss Tampa because the flow is just too weak. And that's exactly what happened with this one. It got to that first stream and it said, yep, I'm gonna take the exit and I'm gonna head up and, and come way too close to Dylan's house. Yeah, so if you think like a couple of days before, even the Sunday or Monday, I heard a lot of media and a lot of media and meteorologists saying Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. I remember Jim Cantor and everybody literally in Tampa. And I was thinking Southwest, I was thinking back to Hurricane Charlie when the night before it hit, everybody was saying Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. And I remember the same thing. And I'm like, remember what happened when those for some reason, the storms turn right, and instead of going to Tampa, they hit Southwest Florida. Yeah, and that is actually natural. If you would lay out every hurricane track of every storm that we've ever tracked over the course of, of time, there would be more storms to hit to the north of Tampa and more storms to hit to the south of Tampa than Tampa itself. And it's all based on meteorology and the flow of the atmosphere. The reason people in this case were saying Tampa, and I was saying just south of Tampa, looked like the best, best forecast to me, how far south of Tampa was going to be the big question. But the reason that a lot of people were saying that it was going to be Tampa is because they don't understand how weather forecast models work. Okay, so the weather forecast models had a spread from north of Tampa to way south of Tampa. And people were, you know, some of the, shall I say, media hype meteorologists versus the great operational meteorologists looked at this and they say, oh, well, the middle ground of that is Tampa. Well, that doesn't work <laughs> in meteorology. You can't take the, the middle ground consensus doesn't work between the models because there was a reason that most of the models, some were north and some were south. And they just because the spread and the evenness of the spread was Tampa, Florida, there wasn't a single model that had it going right over Tampa, Florida. The, the spread of models had it either north of Tampa 
or south of Tampa. The big question was how far south of Tampa, because that looked like the most likely situation. My sisters uh, sisters lived near Ruskin, uh, Florida, which is just south of Tampa. I didn't like the path because with a storm, you don't want to be in the northeast quadrant of a storm. And even if the storm itself came inland south of Ruskin, it was going to be way too close. Now, the Weather Service in their infinite, you know, brilliance has looked at the path of storms. And when it came to putting a Weather Service office near Tampa Bay, they put it in Ruskin, Florida for a reason. The reason is they don't hit that area too often. So, um, but, you know, that office handles the forecasting all the way down to Fort Myers. That's why they didn't put the storm center for that part of Florida in Fort Myers, because Fort Myers statistically, while it's still small, has a better chance of hitting uh, on a hurricane track. I mean, Southwest Florida has been hit four times in the last 20 years. Tampa has been hit since 1921. Yep. Yep. And there's a reason it, it all makes sense. This is not, oh, Tampa gets lucky. No, this is a fact of meteorology. The, the storm tracks, if you look at them, just like we have a tornado alley here in the, in the Midwest that goes from Oklahoma to south of me in southern Illinois and off into southern Ohio, if you, you have a hurricane uh, track just like that, and it's Sanibel Island is, is an area just south of Sanibel Island, and then down into the other keys uh, is, is a frequent visitor for hurricanes when they form. And then north of the Tampa area, I mean, there's, a, there's just a, a big old uh, empty area of no development up there. And that's why, because they get such horrendous rain regularly, because that's where stagnant fronts hang out. And it's basically a wetland up there. If they haven't decided to drain yet, unlike South Florida. Uh, and then the hurricane path also, you strategically went through there. So there's a reason why development in Florida happened where it did. We've kind of gotten away from that in recent years as the government has paid for people's mistakes and where they build. But, um, but no, there's, there's statistically, it's true. You're, you're absolutely right. There's more likelihood of Southwest being hit now, Fort Myers is to the northern extent of that southwest Florida track, so it's a little more rare for them to get it, but uh, as hard as they hit, got hit, and that's why we've seen so much development in the Fort Myers area, and, and unfortunately, a lot of folks uh, learning about hurricane and hurricane preparedness for the first time the hard way. Yeah, thinking back to Hurricane Ian, a couple of weeks ago before Ian hit uh I remember everybody talking about the surge and I didn't hear people talk about the wind, but then all of a sudden the hurricane went from 120 to 155. And I'm like, Oh, you know what? Yeah. And that's, that's with hurricanes. That's the big question is the wind speed and the top wind speed can really get uh, up there pretty fast. The waters off the, that part of Florida in the Gulf, are a little bit warmer than they've been if you look at five-year averages. So it made sense that we would see that development. The other reason that we saw 
that major development is usually after a hurricane passes over a landmass like Cuba, it will weaken and then it won't strengthen more than what it was when it entered Cuba, if that makes any sense. This storm, because it did not get disrupted enough by the terrain of Cuba and it wasn't overland for long enough, was able to, to really kind of juice itself up and become a more powerful storm. But it was still within the original forecast. Um, a lot of folks get caught up in just seeing what the media puts out. But the Hurricane Center, just like I always talk range of logical outcomes in fantasy football, in their discussion, they discuss the logical range of outcomes for this storm. And that's what the governments usually use to uh, make the decisions on evacuations and whatnot. And this storm was actually forecast quite well um, by the experts. There was a lot of uncertainty this, to this storm. And that's why the track kept coming farther and farther south and, and you know, into that Fort Myers area. But the original forecast with the, like they put it, the cone of uncertainty, it sounds rather devious, but that cone of uncertainty is what you need to be paying attention to. If you're within that cone, take action every single time with a hurricane like that, if you are really close to the shore, because storm surge is a, is a nasty, nasty part of these storms. And I mean, most of these houses, especially in our area, where we all in a several newer building can withstand hurricanes. But if you're on the shore, especially, I hope that people learn that lesson on Fort Myers Beach, Sandwell, Captiva, Pine Island, St. James City, because the old saying is, run from the water and hide from the wind, because structures can withstand wind. Nothing can withstand 15 feet of water. No, that's exactly it. I mean, if, if a building takes a, a direct hit with 150 mile an hour wind, there will be damage, but it usually will be standing enough that people can survive that hit. But when a wall of water 10 to 12 feet high comes through, it's like a bulldozer. It just knocks things down in its path and it's a, a, a remarkably scary sight to see this wall of water attack an area because these houses are not built for extreme weather anyway, because they're used to being knocked down. So um, they don't withstand a surge like that. Nothing does. Once you, once you totally cover most of a building in water and keep forcing that pushing motion of the water it does destructive things in a hurry yeah let me tell you about all experience about my experience so i i could i could not sleep that tuesday night wednesday mornings i basically got up and watched like videos trying to get myself through the night we ended up dming each other and thinking back on it I wish I would have screamed because A, that would have been in A, people could have asked, you know, what's going on? What? But B, a lot of my friends and family up in like Illinois or, Paul, or safe of Paul's would have been like, why don't you evacuate? I'm like, because well, we all in a stairwell is far away, is endless. So we're not in an evacuation zone. Our house can withstand 150 mile an hour winds. We've got shutters and we've got like 
generator. Plus, I don't know if you saw the evacuation to the other coast. Uh, you would have, a ferry would have been faster than the people went on Alligator <laughs> Alley. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen it in action, actually, um, when you get into these evacuation areas. And, and, and I'll, that's why I told my sisters up there near Ruskin, I said, you know, my one sister lives a little bit too close to, to the bay. And, you know, she went to visit my other sister, which is a, was about uh, 15 miles inland and in a better structure as far as built home. And the whole reason, and, and my, uh, one of my nephews uh, lives south of there along the coast, not quite to the Fort Myers area, but kind of in between the two. And we told them to bug out, bug out Sunday night. Um, because by the time everybody took heed of these warnings, the traffic was going to be a, a mess. And the last thing you want to be doing is get stuck out on the road when a storm hits. That is not going to be very good. If you're in a building and 150 mile an hour wind hits, that's better than being in a car or an SUV. Yeah, um, former National Hurricane Center Max Mayfield's uh, biggest worry was that people were going to be stranded in their cars and 100 plus mile an hour wind, rain, and storm surge could just send them somewhere. Yeah, and, and the biggest problem is even if you're inland and you're well away from the surge, I mean, we were seeing such horrendously high amounts of rain that we were seeing flash flooding even in the Orlando area. So, if you're in a car in a flash flood, that is not a fun experience. Yeah, we saw, I think uh, we saw Sarah's highest wind gusts reached 95 miles an hour. I don't know what the sustained wind would have been, but 95 mile an hour wind gusts. I saw the highest I saw near you was 85 miles an hour sustained with 95 mile an hour gusts. That was well below my forecast that I gave you, Dylan. So I was scared for you, and I was I was a little disappointed in my forecast because I I didn't think we would top off any higher than seventy five near you. So I missed the forecast by quite a bit, but uh, I'm glad that you made it through. But boy, oh boy, there were some wind speeds. Um, I saw wind speeds as high as a hundred and six sustained before the equipment broke in the Fort Myers area. So it was a, a really unbelievable punch of a storm. And what happened near your area was actually quite interesting because sometimes what happens with these storms is you get this secondary core wrapped around the eye wall. And what ends up happening is this is an enhanced area of thunderstorms. So from the storm itself, from the winds from the storm itself, you probably wouldn't have been any higher than 55 or 60 miles an hour, but you combine the storm winds with severe thunderstorm winds, and that's what gets you up to those uh, levels that you had. And you add the storm you know, movement and everything else, and that feel of what the winds do, uh, it, it can increase quickly. But that second banding around the storm, which is which is, is what gave you higher winds, and that's something I did not see coming. 
Plus, I think the storm. I think the storm wobbled a bit more than the east when it after it reached like Sandbow because it went more like east northeast for a while. And, I'm, and looking back on the track, I'm like, how did the storm go like east northeast? And then basically, we got. I don't know if we got the eyewall like the or like the innermost rainbow, but maybe we ended up getting the part a secondary part of like mini half eyewall, half storm, and it was just crazy because that was the that was the loudest I've ever heard the wind. And and I was here for I was in uh, Fort Myers for uh, Charlie and Wilma. And actually, true, true. I was six weeks old when Hurricane Andrew came through Naples, and my mother says that was the first time I ever slept through the whole night. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, this this storm. What ends up happening with a hurricane is they don't want to come on shore, okay? Because as soon as they come on shore, they lose that fuel source of the warm water. So what ends up happening is you see these weird jogs of the storm and you see these erratic motions as the eye wall is actually reforming itself. And in the natural course of being a hurricane, it's all the thunderstorms and all the, the wicked weather with a storm sort of, for lack of a better description, pollutes the, the perfect storm. Okay. And it starts affecting that storm and breaking it down just from the, the storm itself. That's why you see that eye wall constantly reforming. And you'll see all of a sudden, you'll see a movement that looks really weird. That wasn't so much a movement as it was a reforming of the eye wall to try to sort of keep itself alive. Uh, these storms have a remarkable way of wanting to preserve their rotation. And we saw it with Ian because three days after it came on shore and it was actually centered up in the Appalachians, you could still see the circulation of Ian. That's how much this storm just didn't want to die. And that's a common thing with a, with a strong storm like this. They, they just kind of want to hang around. They're a lot weaker than I was, but I'm still here. And we were still seeing some massive rainfall uh, up across the mountains from this, it, it was a narrow band, but we were seeing some flash flooding and some nasty stuff. Three days after this storm came on, you could still see where Ian was. And then as Ian departed, it actually departed the coast again. And you could still see the circulation out across the Northern Atlantic later on. That was still the remnants of that same storm. That's how much it wanted to stay alive. Heck, that dang hurricane affected Jameson and the Meadowlands, Philly, and Baltimore that weekend. Yep. Yeah, remarkable. And, you know, that I had told people, I said, I'm not really sure. People were asking me, uh, you know, you're the meteorologist. How do you think the impact is going to be on these games? And I'm like, I don't think it's going to be a super major impact on a lot of the game other than the kicking games. But my level of uncertainty on this is great because you will get these little rain bands that'll form and Baltimore seemed to get about the worst of it. They had one band go through during the game that, that caused a little problem, but rain and fantasy football 
is really tough to figure out the interaction between the two. It's more wind and rain and fantasy football that take those points down other than the kicking game and other than a few more turnovers whenever it gets on the sloppy side. Okay. So uh, obviously we've seen storms hit big cities. We've seen uh, Katrina affect the New Orleans area. Ike affect the Houston area. The great Miami hurricane affect Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Um, Super, super storm Sandy effect New York City. What city do you think is the big city? Do you think is the most susceptible to a devastating hurricane? I think it's Miami Beach. Um, I really do think so. We've seen such an increase in the population in South Florida over there uh, in the Miami Beach area. And what I think you're going to see someday, sadly, is you'll see a, a storm take an Andrew-like path, only instead of hitting just south of Miami proper, like that did, just devastating Homestead, um, we'll see it go right through the heart of Miami Beach in Miami. That's my biggest fear, um, because storms like that are rare, because you need a, a lot of good forcing mechanism to, to hit Miami proper. Um, but that's my biggest fear is is really having one hit uh, Miami Beach because of their population. The other is to see a superstorm that holds together, misses the coast and goes up and, and takes a, a, you know, a hit at uh, like Long Island. That's the other worst case. It doesn't need to be a 150, 160 mile an hour storm to do that damage. It just needs to have a good punch to it to take a good bite out of, uh, out of Long Island. And with all the population up there in the New York area in Long Island, New York, that is my other concern because storms quite often miss the coast in the Southern part of, of, the, of the country. And then they act more like a nor'easter does in the winter time where it, it kind of skirts up along the Carolinas and then takes a direct hit uh, up there for Long Island. I think I would think Tampa only because a Tampa has been hit by hundred in a hundred and one years. Secondly, a lot of those people would probably think, "Oh, this storm's supposed to hit here. This storm's supposed to hit here." And third, Tampa's infrastructure has not been impacted by major winds and forever. Yes, Miami has dodged major hurricanes recently, but Miami's infrastructure has changed where. They've got the strongest building covered in the world. Yep. Tampa has not been hit by a major storm, and no yep. one knows what those buildings could take because if you've got because a lot of those buildings are literally right on right on the Gulf or right on the bay. And if you have 150 mile an hour winds come through with rain with an onshore flow, you're gonna have a big mess. And and um McDill Air Force Base is like uh, four or five feet above sea level. Uh, uh, you, you remember uh, the uh, Air Force Base in uh, Panama City where uh, oh, yeah. Michael yep. had a few yep. years ago? Yep. Uh, that might be McDill if a storm hit Tampa. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point with Tampa being more susceptible. But the reason I didn't include them is because I think the percentage chance of a major storm there is less because of the climatology 
and the way things go. The farther north you go in Florida, the harder it is to get a direct hit until you get up to uh, to the Panhandle area there in the Gulf Coast. If a storm misses all of the on ramps, the only exception to that, if Tampa gets hit, it's my prediction that it'll be an early season storm when there's such an active synoptic pattern yet that could combine with the cold front with the wrong timing and kind of focus that storm as it's coming up uh, along the coast of Florida to kind of shoot it across Tampa. Because in the early part of the season, Tampa is susceptible to having the, the cold front stall out right in the Tampa area. That's why they get a lot of rain, heavy rains um, early season there. Um, you almost set your, your watch by them, you know, three to six o'clock in the evening. You're, you're always dealing with storms around there, but, uh, that's kind of the, what it would have to play out a late season or a normal season storm. Uh, I think they're sort of, they're a little safer. Um, but boy, we saw what happens in what happened in Fort Myers Island. That was, that was tragic to see. And, that's an area that does have, uh, you know, fairly good building codes compared to Tampa. You're, you're right about that. Tampa has gotten very relaxed over the years um, by not getting hit by a major storm. There's, there's nothing that gets you religion more about the power of hurricanes than seeing a storm like that. We saw the same thing with Katrina in New Orleans. It wasn't the storm that killed all those people in the low-lying areas. It was inundating those those debt levies and having the flooding happen um where you know the natural part of the uh of the bayou tried to reclaim itself there but um but now they get nervous anytime there's a storm and that's because they have experienced one in their lifetime now whereas tampa i don't think there's anybody alive who's seen a major storm hit that area even a minor one really to be honest with you I, I'm trying to think if any even tropical storm that would have affected the area, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. But a few years ago, there was one that cut through the Tampa area, but it was only a tropical storm and never reached hurricane strength. Cut across Tampa and across, cut right across the state to Orlando, then then Daytona. Just cut right across that part of the state, and it didn't cause any major problems in Tampa because it was too weak, but that was also an early season storm, as I said, but I don't remember the name. Uh, you're better at remembering stuff than I am. Dylan. Well, I don't remember the name, but I think I remember when it happened. I think it was doing, doing one of these election years. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was about, it was either like four or six years ago, because that was right after my, my sisters moved to Florida, ironically. And uh, all of a sudden they were dealing with a storm and my sisters were so paranoid. They bugged out. The only damage was a screen door that fell off. So other than that, they had no damage. And I, I had told them they were fine to stay put, but they didn't listen. Now with this storm, they listened, you know, some of them scattled, skedaddled, the other stayed put and, you know, everybody was safe. So that's the that's the name of the game with hurricanes. All right, Dennis, thank you for turn for hopping on here. Hopefully we don't have any more hurricanes for another 101 years. But uh, if we Ooh. do, uh, we'll be checking in with you. 
Well, I was, uh, you know, like I said, Dylan, when I saw how close you were to stuff, I was like, whoa, this is not good. Now, when I didn't hear from you for a little while, I was getting scared, but I'm glad you were safe. I'm glad the family was safe. I'm glad everybody made it through that storm. And uh, boy, you guys got some stories to tell, <laughs> but it, it just was a reminder. If you live close to the coast with these things, take them seriously, please, because it is a matter of life and death. And you really don't have a lot of time to prepare. You have to always over prepare for hurricanes.